You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Indians. Before I introduce our special guest, I didn't get a chance to say this beforehand as we were prepping a little here. But when this network started and we brought on, I was one of the first few hosts and I was looking through the list of hosts and I saw a lot of hosts I knew. And to me, there was one host where I, was, I, I knew their work and I was a little bit intimidated by this person. And that is our guest today because I, I had known, I, I know you had that face, but it was one of those things that you were well known to me at the time. You're one of those people. You weren't one of the, the scout people like the tiger, the old tigers host brought me in and they were at scout and the angels host. But uh, when I saw your name, I'm like, oh, I, I know. Stacy Gatsulius. Hopefully, got the name right there. Yeah. So uh, I, we have locked on Yankees host uh, Stacy here, and like I said, it's it's really nice just to have you on in general. And uh, as I, you can tell with some of the laughing there, I didn't warn her about that. But yeah, I when I saw the list of hosts, that was the first name. Your name popped for me. I was like, oh, okay, she's here. This you lent credibility to the uh, the first group of hires in my mind. I don't know how you feel about that or how to take that, but. Uh, I wow. just thought I would share that along to you that, no, I mean, I, like I said, I was familiar with you before in baseball. I think I was already a follower. So when I saw you there, I was like, okay, maybe someday I'll get to talk to her. And uh, here we are. It's, it's nice to have this opportunity. Well, thank you. I've, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't expect that. <laughs> well, at least it's a positive, right? I'm not, you know, it's a nice thing at the start, I'll say. Yes, very nice. I, um, you know, it, it's funny because in my intro, I'll, I mention, I'm like, oh, I've written at some places. You might know who I am because I haven't written anything in like three years. And, um, you know, it's nice to know that people recognize my name, although I am the only person in the Western Hemisphere. And as far as I know, maybe the only person on Earth with my name. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I have the opposite problem. Uh, common first, common last. Uh, my Google alert gets me a lot of things about um, uh, someone who sells swimming supplies. That's that's, that's that's most of my Google alerts anymore. But yeah, I think it's because we both come from a writing background. So I uh, we were writing about the same time. So that's why I was familiar with your work heading in. So, But with the Yankees and Indians playing this week, uh, it seemed like the perfect time to have this uh, have you come on. And we can... Talk about these two teams that I think right now um, both fan bases are having a measured and even kill approach to the start of these seasons. Uh, mm. That's how our, uh, <laughs> I know we talked a little bit beforehand and, and you know, I lived in New York for six years. So yeah, I, I remember opening a Chase Bank account and basically the teller bragging about how they got CeCe Zabathia and that they were next going to steal Grady Sizemore from us. That was <laughs> a conversation. Oh, that's right. You know, because that was before his injuries and he only right. had like two years left and he was on a Hall of Fame track. But, you know, I have my own New York experience. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I think the fans, the fans get a bad rap just because there's so many of them. Like there's bad fans everywhere, just the size of that fan base. But right. how is it going for you out there with uh, this season with the Yankees? I mean, they st it was a team with a high risk with that pitching staff. Like anyone sure. who knows baseball knew that starting pitching staff. It could be, it had a potential to be the best in baseball. It had a potential to be not necessarily the worst, but bottom 10. I mean, and, right. and if it's not, hasn't been, I think, how you guys had hoped. Right. But it's also been 15 games and it's only April 19th and people need to calm down because <laughs> I was saying this on my show when I was recording it um, earlier this week. I said, 
you know, here's the thing. If this five and 10 stretch happened in July or August, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But because they're starting five and 10, and because it's been so long since they've started this badly, everyone's making it into a big deal. And I found it extremely amusing because ESPN had a tweet, you know, this is the first time in 25 years that the Yankees are in last place. It, it, it's just, if it was September 19th, I would see that being a big deal, but it's April 19th. And even before the season started, I compared this team to the 2007 team. Big question marks in the pitching staff back then. And I mean, they had to go and get Roger Clemens at, by May because they were so bad. They were 22 and 29 at one point that year. And they still made the playoffs. And yes, we lost to Cleveland. I was at game five. It was not fun. But, um, you know. I moved to New York for that series. Like I was in the process of moving. So I watched it from my Brooklyn apartment as it happened. Just a, Travis just Hafner nearly killed me with a BP home run because my season tickets I had Sunday plan and they stuck me in the first row of the upper deck of right field and I had never sat in that spot. Those balls come at you so quickly, even that far out in the old stadium that I had to dive out of the way so I wouldn't get decapitated by Travis Hafner during BP. And I'm like, I'm going to go up to the concession stand and wait until this is over because I don't want to die tonight. Thank you. So <laughs> he was, uh, he could hit it hard. He was mm -hmm. definitely one of the, probably the only one on the Indians you had to worry about at that point in time for, for that type of upper deck shot. Yeah. Like I wish Statcast was around for some of those guys like him. Um, anytime Gary Sheffield fouled off a ball in 04 and 05. Um, I mean, I don't know how he didn't kill people because he was constantly fouling off balls and hitting them seemingly they always seemed like they were at least 115 miles an hour. But yeah, people are panicking too soon. I mean, you know, it, it's possible the Yankees might not be so great, but there's a reason a lot of the major websites said they were going to win the division. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see them finishing fifth in the AL East, which is what people are acting like they're going to be doing. You know, I don't see this team when the trade deadline happens, not doing something if they're not doing as well as they expected them to do. So I just think people are panicking too soon. They're overreacting too soon. And as I said before we started, um, I really wish some of these kids would experience a bad season, not this season, but at some point, some of these kids who, you know, only know from the 90s on and their first baseball experience was the Yankees winning all the time. They need to experience a 1990 season like I experienced when I was 16, 15 turning 16. It was, I mean, Andy Hawkins pitched a, a no hitter and still lost for nothing. <laughs> that was that season, like, you know, a microcosm, but that was basically that season. So some of these kids need to experience an actual bad Yankee season and they haven't done that yet. So just calm down. <laughs> well, it's interesting here too, because like, you know, being lazy, I pull up roster resource because it just has all the data there. And it's like, yeah, they're five and 10, but they're also five and 10 with like everyone underperforming outside of Garrett Cole. It's right. like a, a 20, 25 out of 26 players are underperforming right now and they're five and 10. In some ways, they that's a better record than one would expect. Like they might be, eventually it's going to even out. This of course. Is, yeah. The longest of seasons, you and I have, have been writing, podcasting on baseball for so long. We're like, this is the point where you're still walking. If this is a marathon, you're doing your fast walk. You're not even moving quickly yet. So as a team, 
everyone's underperforming and they're still five and 10. If anything, that should give, if you're just looking big picture, like, okay, when they start to perform, what's going to happen? Right. And it's always people that I feel should know better. And I'm not even talking just about Yankee fans. I'm talking about Yankee haters who are reveling in this. Um, you know, you were talking about your friend being a Met fan. Um, I love telling this story. Back in 2007, I worked for an EVP and his assistant who were really big Met fans. And as I said, 2007 was not a good start for the Yankees and the Mets were like on fire. So the first, I would say four months of that season, they would come up to me at my desk and just trash talk. And I would sit there and take it. I, I couldn't say anything because the Yankees weren't doing well. And then when the Yankees started doing well enough to where you were thinking, they're probably going to make the playoffs. And the Mets were having their little faltering at the end of the season. That Sunday, I was watching Tom Glavin give up, what was it, six runs in the first inning to the Marlins on that last Sunday of the season. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, tomorrow's going to be so much fun. And I went into work that Monday morning. I, I walked in through the double doors at NBC. My coworker, Joe, who's also a Yankee fan, <laughs> sitting there. And I said, isn't it a glorious Monday morning? And he knew what I was talking about. Didn't say a word to them. They come up to me at around noon. They're like, come on, come trash talk at us. I said, my team's going to be knocked out of the playoffs by Cleveland. I can't trash talk with you right now. You have to learn. You can't trash talk until you win something. So all these Yankee haters, I'm bookmarking people's tweets. <laughs> I'm remembering everything that they're saying this week because I want to put it in their faces in September and be like, remember when you were joking about this? Yes. There you go. <laughs> no, I, like I said, I, it's the, the lesser opinion for me as a, a Cleveland fan, I've always been more annoyed with the Red Sox than the Yankees because the Boston mentality of like, Oh, we can't win anything. And it's like, as yeah, I, I get the Red Sox didn't win for a while, but now they've won some, but it's like everything else was winning. I mm -hmm. grew up in Cleveland. I got one thing. I got one LeBron championship in my life. I'm like, Winning is still winning. And you go back to that 2007 season where the Indians should have made the World Series. That might have been their best chance to win it all because the Rockies were there in the finals, which I know people are like, but they took the Cubs to extras. They should have never even been in that World Series with their injury. I've talked about it like many times. The reason this team tries to do the bare minimum to make the postseason is because 2016, they go against the Cubs after they lost their number two, three, and four starters to injury. Like they were beat up beyond repair. And then the year they set the record for most wins in a row, they get knocked out in the first round. Uh, so they, uh, their whole mentality has been shaped by that. But that season they were up three to one. They lose to Boston. Uh, there was the no other year we were up like two games to none. And then in game five, Pedro Martinez pitches like a perfect game, perfect seven innings of relief. It doesn't count as a perfect game. Cause he came right. in late, but it's like the Yankees. Yeah. They knocked us out a few times here but at the same time of it it's like they haven't really gut punched the indians whereas right. uh, both of our franchises have been gut punched a few times by the red sox so i think well, it's what about well what about 2017 for you because 2017 surprised the hell out of me because you know especially the way the first two games went in cleveland especially after game two what happened with Girardi not challenging and then the grand slam and the Yankees were up by so many runs and then Cleveland comes back. And it was just like, Oh my God, there there's no way they're coming back in this series. And I remember Cleveland did really well against them in the regular season. And I just assumed Cleveland was going to kick their ass. Like really, I just assumed it was going to be a sweep. And then when it got to game five, I mean, I was nervous, obviously, because I, di I didn't expect them to even make it to a game five. And then Didi Gregorius hits his first home run. And I'm thinking, okay, 
And then he's the second home run. And I'm thinking, uh, are they going to actually do this? And I just want to know from your perspective, like, were you expecting the Indians to just roll over them after those first two games? That has always been like a sore one for me, like in a way, because it's, and it's not even about what the Yankees did. It's the fact that their best pitcher down the stretch was Carlos Carrasco by far that year. And for some reason they decided to only have him pitch one game right. and you have power, you have, and Bauer pitched well in the first one. Don't get me wrong, but he got lit up in the second one and he was not by any means there. And I know there were a lot of people out there who Trevor Bauer is this and that. Trevor Bauer was a league average pitcher outside of one year in Cleveland. He was a two to three win pitcher. He was good. And he was the best thing about him was he was always healthy. He had one great year. The next year he came when, of course that's the year he got hurt. And then the next year he comes back, he wasn't pitching well before he got traded to the reds. And he's only had like two like sublime years, like right. however you want to measure it. He's not been that guy all along. So when we talk about Trevor Bauer in that era. That's he's not, the Trevor Bauer of now, right? Uh, Car Carrasco was much better, and I to this day that's what hurts. It's like Carrasco had been arguably better than Kluber down the stretch, and then we find out later on that Kluber has a back injury, and you're having him start all those games with a back injury. It's like you're arguably your best pitcher for the last month and a half gets one start in that series, and to me, that's that's as you can tell, I haven't let go of this. I can still pull all of this information up. <laughs> Cause that wound is still fresh to a degree. Cause it's like start Carrasco, <laughs> just let him pitch twice. And I mean, in, in my memory, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but I feel like he actually pitched well in his one start that it was a, a solid performance in game three. And that when things came uh, off, it was not due to him that it was uh, a bullpen or maybe it was the Indians did nothing. I can't remember the specifics like this in, in my defense, um, September 17th, is when we had our first child. So it's like, oh. right. <laughs> right. Is that like game one or game two? Um, you know, it was right there. So it's like this, the, 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 I was watching those games, but the very specifics of them kind of go away outside of just my anger of like, why is Carrasco not pitching? Why did we have Kluber out there with a the back injury? Uh, but yeah, that's that, that series, like the whole thing with the Astros and the cheating and, and that, like, I don't get, as up in arms because at least I can sit back and be like, well, if they did cheat or whatever was going on, but that Yankee series, I was like, this was just bad management, like just at a very basic level. And that's, that's where I, I like you can tell anyone who's listening to this right now goes, he just probably, he just needs to let it go. He just needs to stop <laughs> thinking about that postseason. But yeah, I mean, I thought that was going to be their year. That was the one where I was feeling the pitching was at its peak. Um, everything was coming together so well and then not so much. Well, for us, I mean, I was just so shocked that they won in the first round and then made it to a seventh game that I was just so excited they did that because no one was expecting the Yankees to do that in 2017. And then you come to find out everything that happened in 2017. And now I'm just like, really? <laughs> I like, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I know people like to bring up, sorry, I have a cat on me right now. Oh, it's okay. Um, Mine are both over here. They're okay. staring at me as I record. <laughs> she's, so she's they like, could, hi. <laughs> mine, um, mine could join at any moment. Yeah. Once, you know. um, I just, I don't know. That was, that was one of my favorite years, I would say, of the 2010s. And I know a lot of people love to bring up the fact that 
it's so funny. Oh, the Yankees didn't even make a World Series in the 2010s, and it's for the first time in 100 years. I'm like, yeah, for the first time in 100 years. How many other teams can say that? <laughs> like, they're making it like it's a bad thing, you know? <laughs> so funny. Yeah, the, the Indians did make it to one, only one. And uh, this is easily their fourth best run as a franchise. It's a, you know, I, this is my like worthless fact time. Like I'll throw like I've always talked about something on the show that like gets overlooked as Cleveland fans is like the one time that the team was dominant in the late forties and early fifties and the time they won their last world series. The one thing they did was, and, and the thing I'll always be proud about a Clevelander uh, as a Clevelander about it's like the NFL, they broke the color barrier, they broke the American league color barrier and they broke the manager color barrier. Well, the only reason we were really good in the forties and fifties and why we challenged the Yankees is we broke that color barrier and then we went for so much like Satchel Paige was first with the Indians. There's a, a, a mammoth first baseman named Luke Easter who had this, uh, who joined like in the late, as, in his late twenties, early thirties. And if he doesn't kind of have a, if he had kept his career going one more year, they might've even won more games in that uh, 54, right? 54. Well, someone's going to get mad at me if I get the year wrong. I believe 54 was the year of the maze catch where they set the win record. Like, they were good because they integrated like that was the greatest run in team history was because they were willing to be a progressive team and other places weren't. And uh, like I said, that's, that's always a thing I like, but you know, the point of it is they didn't make it to another world series till uh, what 90 oh, people, 95, right? Top. I'm not good with the years, but it's like 54 to 95, no world right. series where people want to rag on the Yankees because they didn't get there once. Well, the Indians were 50 years between appearances. Right. <laughs> perspective. Um, before I bother you with a few more questions, chance to talk about some Indians on the Yankees and expectations for a short series. I should do a quick break and talk about our sponsors today. I'm going to I, too many tabs open. There we go. <laughs> uh, so this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is, is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagements, Mother's Day, or simple, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just, just search the words 10 by 10. The collection features high quality, fine jewelry, I have problems with words sometimes. Find jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. This won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at bluenile.com. And honestly, my big takeaway, I like that it's female designers making the ring. Like that, I think is a very smart thing that they should be mentioning a lot. So if you're looking for something, go check that out at bluenile.com. And then, uh, you know, I've talked about Rock Auto many times on the show. Instead of going through and doing the ad read here, I know nothing about cars. I can navigate the Rock Auto site. I think it's a great place for people to go. Be an advocate for yourself. Make sure that when you go and you have an issue with your car, that you're not getting hosed. I have had that experience where I know I've gone and someone is overpriced and oversold me a piece. Rock Auto is a way to make sure that doesn't happen to you. You can find they have all the parts you'd need easy to find and when you do go to rock auto if you are going to make a purchase there make sure that you tell them 
Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us. You could write Locked On MLB. You could write Locked On Indians or Locked On Yankees. You could do any of the Locked Ons. Just let them know that we sent you. It's a great tool to have for yourself. Family-owned business. Uh, one central location. Keep the prices low. Go check it out for yourself today. RockAuto.com. Make sure that you write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And then one last note. Uh, we have a big amount of NFL draft content right now on the site. Uh, I'm sure with the New York teams, especially if someone's a Jets fan, they're picking two, the Giants are at 11. And if you're a Cleveland fan, drafts are a national holiday pretty much. So make sure to check out our NFL draft coverage from all angles, uh, including the Ultimate Mock Draft Podcast 2021 presented by Odyssey. So go check out the NFL draft. And I follow the draft dudes, so I can just personally say, go check it out. It's worth your time. Joe's a great dude uh, over with them. So, yeah, I, like I said, it, that's honestly a thing. Like, I mean, I grew up to the point that before uh, my writing job was writing about the baseball draft because I'm that type of sick individual where I grew up in Cleveland. And that's what you got excited for was drafts and, and what was going to happen. Uh, the highest draft pick the Indians have had in the last decade is actually on the Yankees managed to turn it back around. Clint Frazier is a guy that uh, I mean, so many Cleveland fans wanted to trade Clevenger for him straight up last year. They, they, he's almost a folk hero, even though he hasn't really had that breakout yet. Uh, that honestly, Giovanni Urshila, who I, I was not a fan of, I'll be honest. That was a miss on me, but I don't think anyone had expected his bat to blossom the way it has. Uh, those two players are just curious to see what the take is um, from, you know, the New York side of things when it comes to Urshela and Frazier. Well, Urshela, I mean, came out of nowhere. You know, they got him from the Blue Jays for money and, you know, he didn't think anything of it. And he was one of those guys, you know, two seasons ago when everyone kept getting injured and the Yankees needed replacement players and all these guys stepped up in different ways. And he was one of those guys. And, you know, he even kept doing things. Like we just thought maybe it was like a, okay, it's a 2019 thing and it's not going to continue. And he's struggling a bit this year, but like you said earlier, everyone's struggling this year so far with the Yankees, except for Garrett Cole. Um, I mean, what a pleasant surprise out of, you know, I love when things like that happen where, um, you know, I think some people were actually joking when the Yankees uh, traded for Odor a couple of weeks ago. They're like, oh, no, is this going to be another like Gio Urshela thing where he's going to come out of nowhere and start hitting the ball? That has not happened. Um, but I like what Urshela does for us. It's very fun to watch him. I mean, you know, he's not the best defensive player, but he'll make a play, you know, once every couple of games where you're just like, how did he do that? As for Clint Frazier, I'm always advocating for Clint Frazier to play more. He got more playing time last year. He showed what he can do. He's struggling a little bit this year. And it was getting to the point where, you know, Boone said the left field job is his. And then he started sitting him. And my thought was, everyone else isn't doing anything. So why are you singling him out? Why won't you keep him in? I love his bat speed. That's one of my favorite things about watching Clint Frazier play just every time he's up. I just can't even believe that he can swing his bat that fast. I think he needs more playing time. I think it will help him to become a more consistent player. And I don't understand what the Yankees are doing, but I'm always pulling for Clint Frazier. I think I've mentioned him about 1500 times on my show. I really like him a lot and I just want him to do well. He's one of the, like the five fastest bats I've ever evaluated as a draft prospect. Even it's like that was just it's and 
And the thing, like the thing with him in Cleveland was honestly, like his stock dipped, and then all of a sudden he like learned how to be patient. Like he he could adapt and learn. Uh, and he's not, he's one of those guys. I feel like what they're doing in some respects is like literally the worst way to handle him. Like he is not a guy who I'm not, you know, saying anything about him as a person, but I think he's a guy who needs to play every day and doesn't need to like, you don't want to press him. He's not the guy who's going to like respond well to, Hey, you're going to play every day. Nah, I'm going to say that, but you're going to take it away. It seems like they have in some regards, the Yankees have handled him, at least in my opinion, almost as poorly as one can. Like he just needs to be left alone and put out there. Oh yeah. I agree. It, it drives me crazy. <laughs> it really does. It, I can't stand it. I just, I hate the way they try it. Cause I even said it uh, before last season and before this season, you know, if you're not going to play him every day, then just trade him already. Stop jerking him around and stop doing this to him because he's right now in the prime of his playing time. And this is when he's really going to break out if he's going to break out and you can't have a player break out if you're not going to play him. That's not how it works. So Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, him and Austin Meadows were like the two guys who came up together in Georgia. And there were those two draft prospects together and they both got traded from the organizations and Meadows luckily has gotten the chances and Frazier. It's just, well, I mean, I think if they give him that chance, he'll break out and, you know, I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be an all-star, but he should be at least above a league average bat. Oh yeah. Uh, in terms of other Cleveland players, I, it hurts to ask about Corey Kluber because in many regards, he's one of my favorite players Carlos Santana is my favorite player of the recent Indians, but he's top three. I Kluber, I know he was an emotionless cyborg uh, to many, but he was just so consistently good. And like, I love the guys who, I mean, he didn't pitch a hundred innings till he was 27, almost 28. Like he had to really got his way to prove it. It was a big risk. And to give him $11 million showed that a lot of teams were interested in him. Is there any like is the thought around there that this is going to be lost money is there some hope or thought that you know Matt Blake the pitching coach knows him about as well as any organization outside the Indians is there still kind of a hope that he's going to get it together I think I think so um I think the everyday fan doesn't think that um because they're panicking about everything but I feel like he just needs to get going and he should be fine cuz all I'm really worried about with him and Tyone is that they stay healthy um which is, you know, that was the one thing I was worried about when the Yankees got the two of them and let Tanaka go. And, well, I wasn't worried about Paxton because I figured he'd be hurt again, and he is. I feel really bad about that. Um, and I wasn't really sad to see Jay Happ go. No offense to him. Um, but I was worried that they were taking a risk with two guys that they were going to slot into their two and three slot in the rotation. Um, you know... Cashman was talking today. They're expecting Severino to come back probably June or July. So as I was saying earlier in the show, if things take a, a turn sideways, even Severino coming back is almost like you're trading for a player if he comes back and he's okay. Um, but I really feel like Corey Kluber, at least from what I've read, because uh, I mean, I know him from him pitching in Cleveland, but isn't he the type of guy that kind of starts slow and then it kicks in for him and at least I thought I read that about him so I'm not really worried yet I mean it's again it's April 19th I'm not mm -hmm. worried yet um you know as He's I one said of those guys who would be you know kind of steady and solid throughout you I mean he didn't necessarily yeah you know, he wasn't in one of those groups as we're talking about Bieber and those great stats as, as what he's done as a starter like 
for all of Kluber's dominance, like he wasn't one of those guys who came out house of fire uh, right. for sure in those first few weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried yet. I'm not really worried about anyone yet. Um, because as you said, so many of them are underperforming right now. It's like the majority of the team's underperforming. I mean, the bullpen's okay. You know, there's some guys in the bullpen who are kind of, but there are others that come out and they do their job consistently. Um, you know, Luke Voigt will be coming back. He was already working out on his knee. Um, so he should be back in May. Zach Britton should be back um, probably late May, early June. So those are two reinforcements, at least offensively and in the bullpen. And that'll even help the rotation a little bit to have him back. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? It's still, it's just, it's, I mean, five and 10. Oh no. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried. Am I odd for being this way? Like, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm not worried yet. I'm really not. <laughs> I've been watching baseball too long to get stressed out in, in the middle of April. It's just too soon. <laughs> no, I, I agree. 100%. One more quick uh, break in here, just uh, so before we get to a final bit on the show, our final sponsor, just to mention very quickly here, is betonline.ag. As I like to do on the show, I go and just pull up the lines for tomorrow's game. Uh, not surprising, after last week's Carlos Rondon versus the Indians uh, near-perfect game, the Indians are not favored in that matchup. And uh, with Zach Plesak getting absolutely lit up in his last start, uh, he is getting a run and a half. Uh, on the New York side of things, the the Yankees are favored against the Braves and Charlie Morton. Martin, Morton's the one getting a run and a half. So the Yankees game, you're seeing a nine for total runs and seven and a half for the Indians. Remember to go to betonline.ag, uh, sign up for an account if that is your thing. And when you do sign up, use the promo code locked on to get a 50 percent bonus. It's the biggest percentage you're gonna hear from any ad sponsor, I can guarantee that 50% bonus betonline.ag, the official partner when it comes to all things in this world, uh, gambling with locked on. Remember you can do casino esports, all sorts of things. Go check it out for yourself today. That is betonline.ag promo code locked on. Oh, and then, cause I'm really good at these ad reads. Everyone can tell. Uh, April 9th through 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts like Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfora. I'll pause so Browns fans can boo him. And Brian Balding. They LaCanfora was friends with an old organization, like who old leadership here. So there was a, a period of a lot of negativity. Oh, okay. <laughs> probably, probably, you know, just adding my own extra thing. If you're a, a local fan, you know exactly what I'm meaning if you're a Cleveland fan. Uh, so our local experts for every team making trades and picks and picking the next stars for their team, search the ultimate mock draft 2021 on the new odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Odyssey is in your home audio for all sports podcasts, music, and news that matter. And that's a U D A C Y as a dyslexic. That name was very difficult. I was like, everyone confirmed that is odyssey, right? I, yes, that is odyssey, but uh, yeah, to go back with this matchup this week, four games, uh, the, like, uh, you know, for my listeners, the reason I'm kind of skipping over the Chicago series is, you know, these matchups, I went in depth last week on them. And then you saw everyone pitch who's going to play when you're looking at the, the Yankees Indians matchup. To me, what I find interesting is, do we know yet who's even the Saturday starter? 